BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. What's up, Dream Nation? Today, I'm super excited. I got somebody on the show for you all, and I know he's about to crush it. If you all have been on Instagram, if you've been on YouTube, if you heard anything about Earn Your Leisure, this is one of the two masterminds behind it. And so I had the opportunity to reach out to him a couple of weeks ago. I just knew I wanted to give him on the show so he could drop that fire for you all. But I won't take up too much more of your time. I want to give him the opportunity to introduce himself and we'll go from there. So Mr. Rashad Bilal, can you say what's up to Dream Nation? Yeah, what's going on? Thank you for having me. I, I appreciate it, man. I'm, I'm excited to be on the show. Thank you. Man, I tell you, we're excited to have you. So one way that I like to start off all of these conversations is I like to say, you know, before the earn your leisure, before all the accolades that you're getting now, before, you know, being able to have an audience of, I'd probably say a quarter million people and I see your stuff on my timeline all the time. Let's take it back 30, 35 years to when you were just a, a young kid. Tell me, who is Rashad Bilal? Yeah, I mean, I'm just a regular kid. Um, you know, I came up playing sports. I grew up in New York. Um, and I, originally, I thought I was going to be a basketball player. That was like my my first goal in life was to be a basketball player, go to the NBA. So I pretty much played sports my, my entire life. And then um, I always was interested in business. Like, I always had a passion for business, like Wall Street and, like, those movies, stuff like that. I just always was passionate about business. So I always wanted to do sports in and business. Those were like my two biggest things that I always wanted to do. So, you know, as my career grew in sports, you know, I was able, fortunate enough to go to Division One school for basketball. I went to the University of Hawaii. And um, I went overseas for a little bit to Germany. And uh, long story short, I had developed really bad tendonitis in my knee. So my basketball career pretty much didn't flourish after college. So I came back to New York and uh, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with, with my life. But I always, like I said, I was always passionate about business, finance. So I um, tried my hat at being a financial advisor. Uh, I um, took a couple of tests that you need to to pass to you know in order to to start practicing. And I wasn't really sure if I was going to make it or not. Um, but I just you know I figured I'd, I'd give it a try. And um, that was 11 years ago. So. Fast forward 11 years later, I'm still in the business. Uh, I, I enjoy helping people. And, um, you know, recently, a couple of years ago, we started the uh, social media campaign. So I originally started my social media on Instagram. 
around two years ago. And um, it was really to build my uh, profile for, for financial planning and my financial planning business. Um, but that kind of morphed into something else where it became more of an educational form and then a more of a community type of feel where I was just posting stuff that I was passionate about outside of stuff that I, I do every day, which is, you know, the backstories of sports entertainment. As I said, I was always passionate about sports and entertainment as well. And I always liked business. So I used to, I was posting a lot of stories about like entertainers and sports figures and, but like the backside of it, the, the, the business side of it and people, um, gravitating towards that. They really, they really liked the content and, um, they wanted, you know, extended versions of that. So from the request to have extended versions of my Instagram posts, that's when I decided to start, decided to start the podcast with my partner, Troy, my, um, one of my best friends. And we, um, started that 15 weeks ago and, um, that's doing really well. It's called Earn Your Leisure. And that, that tells the story. It, well, it's business in general, but we talk about sports and entertainment on, the backside, the financial side. So, yeah, so, you know, it's just kind of all kind of just morphed together and where we're at today. Got it, man. I love it. So one thing that uh, I, I, I see so many people and I, one of my guys has actually came up with this. His name is Jamal King, but he talked about PTSD and that's post-traumatic sports descend, or, uh, you Disorder. know, I, yeah, disorder, right? My fault. Um, so he had talked about that because a lot of athletes, once you are locked into that, and you talked about playing college ball, which so many people don't get to do, and then even going overseas, and then you come back and you're like, okay, well, what am I going to do right now? What am I going to do with my life? And I think that there's so many people that are in that realm right now because while social media is giving us a lot of knowledge, at the same time, it's giving us a lot of confusion. Because you're seeing so many other people doing so many other things and it's hard to not compare yourself to where they're at or, you know, figure out how you could do that type of a content and feeling like, you know, I'm only, a, I'm only a jock. I'm only a sports guy. So talk to me about, you always had the, the passion behind business and, and, and finance. Were you exposed to that at a young, early age? Um, were your friends talking about that? Where did that come from for you? Yeah. Um, so it came from a few different points. I mean, I don't really don't know why I was so passionate about business. That was just something I just always liked. Like, you know, I don't, I don't really Did know. Did your family own a business growing so up? I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get to that. So my dad, yeah. So my dad, um, actually, he he's works in the same realm that I do. So he, um, he always kind of preached to me early on to be an entrepreneur and to um, control your own destiny and to, you know, finances and stuff was always taught in my household early on. So I got that from him um, early. So that, that definitely gave me um, an advantage, I think, from most of my friends, you know, growing up, most, you know, in our communities, that's not really common. You know, it's just not as far as, you know, to be taught about money and entrepreneurship. Right. It's, not, it's something that we don't really, you know, most of the time our parents just encourage us to get what they consider to be a good job. They don't consider, they don't teach us to be an entrepreneur because they, they, they're not familiar with entrepreneurship themselves. So right. yeah, my dad, my dad definitely um, played a major part in that. And that's something that I was fortunate to have, um, you know, somebody like that. And then also, like I said, I was just always passionate about business. Like uh, there's just something that I always loved. Like I, as early as I can remember, I just always liked business and um, it was just something that was intriguing to me. And it was something that really nobody else, that I was around was really interested in like none of my friends, anything like that. But 
it was just, you know, a passion of mine. Like I said, I used to watch movies like Wall Street. Like I was like eight years old. I watched Wall Street and, and, and things of that nature and like barbarians at the gate. Stuff about like corporate takeover artists. I was like 11 years old, like reading about corporate takeovers. Right. Like, <laughs> like, I mean, that's not right, right, right. For, for an average 11 year old. But um, I don't know. That was just something that I just I just always was intrigued. And, and I just was fascinated about the stock market and like making money. Like that was something that was just always interesting to me. So, yeah, um, Got it. that's pretty much. Yeah, I, I don't really know how it really started, but I definitely have to um, credit my dad for playing the seed. And then um, from there, it's just because I have other siblings as well. And they're not really interested in business, but. Me, I just always just gravitated towards it. So now let, let me ask you this because you look pretty young. So, I mean, real estate, obviously, I'm in real estate, you're in financial advising and, and educating. What it first talk to me about what, what, what town are you in right now? And what, and have you always been in that town? Yeah, so I'm, I, um, I, live, I live in Westchester. If anybody's familiar with New York, that's like a suburb, um, like 20 minutes outside the city. Okay, so, so yeah, so pretty much is that where um, you're from? Yeah, so. I grew up in the Bronx. I'm from the Bronx originally, and um, I moved from the Bronx like age 10, and then I moved to White Plains, which is where I live now um, in Westchester. So, yeah, that's kind of where I grew up at in Westchester. So, yeah. Got it. The reason why I asked that is because now growing up, like, is there is there a lot of African Americans in in Westchester? And and the fact that I know that a lot of financial advisors they tell me the toughest part is when you're a young guy, you first getting into this business. You know, it's hard to talk to the older people who do have that wealth because how serious are they gonna take you? So, did you have those same challenges? Is what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Um. As far as growing up. Um. Yeah, you know, Westchester is a, it's like most places in America where it's segregated. So um, it's, so if anybody's familiar with New York, New York is surrounded by three suburbs. Um, you have Long Island on the east. So like Brooklyn and Queens, I'll just give a geographic map. Brooklyn and Queens are the boroughs that are far east in New York City. So Long Island is a suburb east of Brooklyn and Queens. Then you have Jersey, which is on the west side of Manhattan. It's a state, but it's also kind of like a suburb too. And then you have Westchester, which is north of the Bronx. So the Bronx is the is the borough that's the most northern. So Westchester is a, a, a suburb. So long story short, all of these different places, Long Island, Westchester, even a lot of parts of Jersey, they're very similar, whereas they're suburbs, but like most suburbs, they're segregated. So in Westchester, is like one of the most affluent neighborhoods in America as far as the county. But within that county, you have segregation. So you have majority white neighborhoods or majority black neighborhoods. So there's a few majority black neighborhoods and then there's like majority white neighborhoods, right? So it's the, it's the, the area that I grew up in is actually a really interesting place because it's a black kind of like middle-class neighborhood. It's like middle to lower class neighborhood, but it's, it's not really a lot of places like that in America where it's like majority of the homeowners are black. Right. So what happens is that like a lot of people from the city, if they got a decent job or if they did decent, then they will move. So it's ironic. And this is kind of going off topic a little bit. But just in real estate, it's interesting if you look at neighborhoods, like how these neighborhoods were constructed, where it's like the black middle class, they all moved in the same exact area. It wasn't like they were spread out in different areas. Right. And that was kind of done on purpose. So growing up, it's an interesting feel because you have black people that own homes 
and like our middle class. And then you have like public housing as well, right? So it's all kind of merged together. Whereas right. you have lower class, middle class, and we all go to the same school. We all, so it, it's an interesting dynamic. And um, that was interesting for me because just, just like I have friends that grew up in, in really nice houses. And then I have friends that grew up in the projects, but everybody's within like a one mile radius of each right. other. So, so that was interesting. And that helped me out in business as well, because like a lot of the relationships that I, I grew up with, I still have to this day. And um, as far as like you said, how did I get started in the business? So like where I'm from, my community is like real tight knit. It's like a real tight knit community. So I have two siblings, an older brother and an older sister. So when I first started, I came into business when I was 24 years old. So it's difficult, as you said, for somebody fresh out of college to garner the trust of somebody that's older than them. Cause they're like, you don't know what you're talking about. Like you're 24. Right. I'm 35, I'm 40. I'm like, what can you tell me about finances? But a lot of my first clients were actually like my sister's friends or my brother's friends who I had relationships with and, you know, they, they trusted me. So that was like, gave me like a springboard. And then also um, just my friends as well. I, I was able to, you know, get them to trust in me. And then- Which like, is big, which is yeah, big. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And then some of like, their parents um so it, it took time but that was kind of like um my springboard into the business was just relationships which is still to this day that's the most important thing relationships but yeah that that kind of helped me out a lot um because as you said it's difficult for somebody that's young and they don't have any market so being that i had some a market with my siblings friends and other older people that i, I already knew and had relationships with it helped me um, especially in the first like year or two when I was just kind of learning the business. So. Right. Now, if you first getting into financial advising, um, do you feel like that a lot of people, are you educating the people who want to try it themselves first? Like, or are you saying, are you coming in saying, Hey, here's the pitfalls. Like, here's why you should start out with a financial advisor, at least in the beginning. And then if you've built a little bit and you have a higher capacity to maybe try yourself, which angle do you try to take? Because I've seen it um, on both ends. I just It's education for me. So, like, if somebody comes in and I have a conversation, for the most part, and this is why I really even started with the, um, like, I teach a class, too. I teach financial literacy in the summertime. I'm actually about to have a class tonight, actually. Um, I start with another school that I'm doing. But long story short, I realized I like to, to teach because I realized how much people don't know when it comes to financial literacy. So... Really, for me, like if I sit down with somebody, I'll spend like the first hour just educating them on a variety of different topics and not even we don't even go into anything like personal. It's just more of an educational process. That's like the, the ground level. And I'm a big proponent of that. Like I said before, I think that you have to be educated in anything that you do in order to be successful. So the ground level for me always starts with education. And then from there, we can start to talk about you know, different products or what makes sense for you individually or different things that you can do. But first, I want to just give somebody a broad knowledge of every single thing, even if it's not relevant to them right now. I feel like people should still have information. And I think that's one of the biggest mistakes where people don't, they don't ask enough questions and there's not enough people that's really willing to just give information. Like they'll just say, it's like, okay, let me just tell you to do this. It's easy to do that. 
but it takes more time to just fully educate somebody. So that's kind of, that's my approach to it. It starts with education. And then from there, we see what, what, what works and what makes sense. Got it. Now, where do you think that most people are struggling at? Why do you think that most people are in so much debt that they are? Because a lot of things I see, I get all the time. People ask, okay, I want to buy some real estate. Should I pay off these student loans first or should I invest first? Where's your, what's your thoughts on, on things like that? How do you educate your clients? Um, debt is always something that you want to try to pay off, in my opinion. In my opinion, you know, it's, it's always something that you want to try to pay off if you can. I mean, there's different types of debt. So if you have $300,000 of student loans, obviously you're probably not going to be able to pay that off right away. But if you have like, you know, a couple thousand dollars of credit card debt or, you know, that's something that you definitely would like to pay off because the interest rates are much higher and um, there's no end date to it, right? So like even with student loan data, it's like even if it's 30 years, it's a long time, but there's an end date or a car payment, there's an end date. Credit card debt, there's no end date. It just keeps going. So those kind of debts you always want to, those revolving debts, you always want to pay those off first. In my opinion, um, if you can, or at least manage it, keep it a manageable level, because it's like a snowball effect that can easily go from five to 10 to 15, to 50,000 before you know it. It's, you know, because you fall some hard times, you can't really pay it. You got low interest rate and then the interest rates balloon on you. So there's a lot of games that credit card companies play um, and all debt companies play. So. I'm a big proponent in trying to avoid debt, stay out of debt if you if you can, especially those kind of debts. Um, even with, with with kids going to college, it's important to understand, you know, student loans. You know, that's one of the things I talk to my, my kids in, in high school about when I when I teach the classes, because a lot of times high school kids don't fully understand student loans. Even their parents right. don't fully understand it. So they they get themselves into, you know, a tremendous amount of debt. And now you get out, you can't find a job. Or if you find a job, it's a low-paying job. And now you got to pay $1,000 a month. So now you're back living with your parents and your mom. Like So, it's a, it's so what's the hack around that that you would say? What do you what do you teach people to do instead of just going into debt? What's, what's a way that they can, you know, um, minimize that debt? Well, for colleges, um, you know, especially if, you, if you're planning on, on getting a master's degree, which nowadays it's like if you really – in most specialized fields, you kind of have to have a master's degree for the most part. So for the undergrad, I always would recommend to go to a state school or the lowest costing school possible because it really doesn't matter. If you have a master's degree, nobody cares where you went to your undergrad at. It doesn't matter. And you can get in any master's program if you you know have good transcripts. So I recommend that to kids that's looking to go into college. It may not be the most glamorous thing. But you got to be smart. And then I know in New York, I don't know about other states, but in New York, we have a program called the Excelior program, something like that. Whereas if your family makes under $150,000, you can go to any state school for free. Mm. Um, there's, there's some stipulations like you have to stay in New York for five years after. But there's a lot of states that are starting to implement those types. So state schools aren't, aren't a bad option. Um, like I said, especially for undergrad, especially for undergrad, and especially if you're planning on getting a master's degree. Like if you're trying to be a doctor, you know that you're going to have to go to school for like 12 years. So right. the first four years, doesn't matter. You can go to a, a cheaper school. And then, you know, when you go to medical school, now that's where, you know, you want to pile on student loan. You might want to do that because that, that really matters. But that would be my suggestion. I always recommend that. I mean, of course, my path was a little different because I played sports. So I was fortunate enough not to have any student loan because, I, you know, I got a scholarship. And, um, you know, that was great. But, you know, a lot of people aren't fortunate enough to do that. 
So right, 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 right. No, I love it. I love it. That that right there was a nugget. That right there was a whole truth. And so I do love that. The fact that people can go to community colleges, especially because when you're graduating at 17, 18 years old, a lot of the times you still don't know what you want to do. You said you got done with college or when you first got into financial advising, you was 24. And you're still like, okay, is this what I want to do? I don't know. I'm going to give it a shot. So you can just imagine with kids that are 17, 18 years old, what they don't know what they want to do. So going to a community college, you still get to have a lot of fun, but at an eighth of the expense of if you try to get into some private college. Exactly. And a lot of times we care about perception. On every, on, at every age, we care about perception. So a lot of times it's like, uh, what, what are people going to think about me if I go to community college? It's like you know, an extension of high school, like the 13th grade, it's not really a real school, but I know people that went to community college and went to Harvard and Yale and NYU after. And now, you know, you got two years pretty much free. Community colleges don't really cost anything. It's in your community. So you staying at home pretty much, but you know, people want that experience right away. It's, the, it's like, I had a guest on my podcast and said before, like people want to get rich with contingencies. They don't, they don't, they, 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 everybody, nobody really wants to sacrifice, right? So it's like, okay, even with that, for young kids, it's like, okay, you might have to sacrifice two years. You can't go to a frat party. You can't go because you're not, you're not going to a school out of state, but look how much money you're going to save. And not to mention, aside from the financial standpoint, you actually get yourself together because leaving high school, going into college is a whole different realm. So now, you know, you can actually prep, get yourself together, learn the inner workings of college and get a college degree, an associate degree under your belt. And now you can go for your bachelor's, but it's much easier. So I would take that's a good that's a good route as far as your associates, your bachelor's, and then if you want to go to your master's and just try to keep the course down. And then like I said, when you well now when it's time to um, you know, really focus, now you can say, okay, this is the school that I want to go to. I think even Barack Obama did that. Like he the first he went to school with like some no name school for first two years. And then he went to, I think, Columbia after that. But because I read his book and it's like nobody, nobody's ever talked about the first school he went to. Right, right. Columbia, right. So that's that's it's like that's, in sports going to JUCO, right? Cam Newton, nobody really ever cared. I mean, he did win national championships. And uh, from what I think, uh, he, he he had some success at that JUCO, which allowed him to get to Auburn, right, to start crushing it. But nobody ever talked about that. Right. Nobody cares about it in the end. It's just about he made it to the league. Exactly. Exactly. Really. Realistically. And even like outside of. I look at it like if you're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, then, you know, the degree really matters. But outside of that, to be honest with you, your degree really doesn't matter as far as it's, it opens the door for you. But like me, I have a communications degree. I don't have a business degree. I didn't need a business degree to do what I do, because even I have to take tests and I have to really like kind of go to college for a whole year afterwards because all of the certifications and tests that I had to take. So I could have went to business school, but it probably wouldn't even help me because the things that you learn in business school is not stuff that I do. It's not stuff that really anybody does. I mean, it's, it's like supply and demand and stuff like that. It's like basic tools, but in day to day realm of most businesses, it's not, specific it's just broad range so that's something to keep in mind as well when you're looking at you know for college kids like which degree you get and things of that nature um it's a lot that goes into college that people don't there's once again there's no blueprint there's like you know nobody really knows what to do so we just go to school and just figure it out 
Yeah, I was going to say, especially in our communities, because you have so many young kids that are first generation college students, right? Nobody ever went to college. So you do have to rely on a mentor. You got to rely on a podcast or somebody like that to give you a little bit of insight because you feel like there's nobody else that you can really go to, you know, or you just feel like that they haven't done the path that you want to do. You know, you got somebody that's just a high school uh, advisor, academic advisor. It's like, okay, but I want to be a financial advisor. You want me to listen to you when you've never done anything like that. So it's a little bit tougher. Right. And, and just like you said, I think one of the biggest things that, that when I first heard it, it blew my mind, right? Well, first off, let's talk about Apple and Google and all those places are now saying that college degrees are not a, a requirement for you to be able to apply anymore. So it's like the cost of a college degree is getting more expensive, but then the value of it is going down. And unless you're in a level playing field, like you said, where you got a master's or a doctorate, like that might not mean anything. It's more about the relationship, which you've already alluded to several times, right? It's, it's more about who can open up that door for you. And if you want to be in the, the financial advising world, when we talk about Wall Street and stuff like that, it's, that's all what it's about. Who's going to open up that door? Who, who can put you in that room with all the major players? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's, it's complicated. It's complicated because in some areas, you know, the degree still, like you said, it really is not even your degree. It's really your relationships, right? And so you go into a good school, you, you probably could establish good relationships which will help you. Um, but then other areas, it doesn't matter. You know, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, if you're going to be a, a real estate investor, it, it, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Like it's like nobody's gonna ask you what your degree is when you go to the bank to try to get a loan. Right. And when I, <laughs> man, I'll tell you all these houses that I sell, people always talk about the test. I tell people the real estate test is one of the most intimidating tests for people that there are people are like, Oh my God, I can't take my test. It's like, you could take your test four, five, six, 15 times. And you, you got to pay a hundred dollars each time you retake it. That's at least here in Nebraska. It might be different costs everywhere else. But I tell people all the time, like, it doesn't matter. One, you don't got to tell nobody that you failed. Two, out of all the houses I sold, nobody ever asks, where did you take your test or how many times you ever took your test? That doesn't ever come up. People do business with other people who they like and they know and they trust and they believe in you, right? So I, I love the fact that you said that. I want to, you know, I want to definitely dive into right now in the stock market. And this is, and you're going to educate me a little bit on this, right? When we talk about somebody just starting out, you want to have diversity. You got, you know, 500 to $1,000. What do you think? Where should somebody be looking at? What type of app should they be looking at? Where should they be looking to maybe put their money if they have no knowledge at all and they're looking for the education? Well, the first thing I would do is I wouldn't put money into anything if you don't have knowledge. So the first thing you want to do is educate yourself. So it's a couple of good books. Um, How to Make Money in Stocks is a good book. That's like one of the first okay. books that I read. So I, I think that's another thing too. A lot of times we feel like we have to rush into something. Like that's the whole Bitcoin thing. It's like we feel like the clock is almost running out and we got to do something. And you always make mistakes when you're not prepared. So I would suggest that anybody, before you even think about investing in real estate, stocks, opening a business, fully educate yourself first. and then think about investing. So when you think about investing in the stock market, like there's, there's apps like Robinhood, um, there's websites, E-Trade, SkyTrade, Ameritrade, but it's really easy to do it yourself now. So now you just download the Robinhood app and um, you know you can start trading. I don't think Robinhood even, even charges you, it's free. So you trade, um, you put, you know, I think it's like a minimal amount to start, like maybe like $200 to open an account. You link it with your bank account and now you can buy any stock that you want now. That's the easy part. Now, buying the stocks is the hard part because now it's like, which stock do I buy? So 
I'm a big proponent in investing in something that you're interested in. So we just did a stock episode on my podcast and we had somebody from Wall Street that came in and he was saying that, you know, you should really focus on areas that you have interest in because people, nobody really likes to read. So reading will help you a lot, right? It's not really a lot of rocket science behind this. If you read, you'll, you'll learn more, right? It's pretty basic. And if you read about different companies and different sectors, you'll understand those companies and those sectors, and that'll help you in investing. So I would pick areas that I'm interested in to read about, right? If I'm not, if I'm not interested in the medical business, I'm not going to try to read about the medical business because it's not, it's not interesting to me. But if I'm interested in fashion, if I buy Nikes all the time, I'm going to read about Nike. The good thing about the stock market is that all of most of the stocks in a sector are kind of intertwined with each other. So once I understand Nike, that'll help me understand Under Armour and that'll help me understand Adidas. Right. So now I'll have a broad range concept of the whole sneaker industry by focusing on one company. And right, have, right. You know, so I would, I, I'd rather be an expert in one area than know a little bit in like 10 different areas. So I'm a big proponent in that. So if you're interested in tech, focus your energy on learning about tech and learning about Netflix will help you learn about Amazon. Learning mm. about Facebook will help you learn about Snapchat. So these are things that you can kind of focus your energy on. And that just depends on whatever somebody is interested in. So going like Warren Buffett in, in his hometown, um, that's one of the things that he does is that he only invests in companies that he understands and that he uses. So, mm-hmm. you know, when the dot-com bubble bursted, um, he was one of the people that really wasn't affected by it because he never invested in, in dot-com companies because he never understood it. So he's like, I don't really feel comfortable investing in something that I don't understand. I don't care if everybody else is doing it. I don't understand it. So I'm not going to invest in something I don't understand. You just got to stand your ground. But I do understand Gillette razors because I shave every day. So I'll invest in that. So I say that to say, especially in our community, you know, we, we set the trends. So when it comes to fashion, when it comes to media, music, all that stuff. So we already understand a lot of these companies because we're the reasons why they're successful. So you understand Nike because you buy Jordans every time they come out. Right. So, you, you know, you have an understanding of it. Right. So now it's like, okay. I can understand how to buy this. Or I can understand how Adidas works. I know Beyonce just signed a deal with Adidas. So I will focus on, on companies and industries that you already know are knowledgeable about and then learn even more about that. That'll help you learn. But that's my, my approach to it. And I'll keep I it basic. It. Right? You know, if you buy an iPhone, every single time a new iPhone comes out, you might want to invest in Apple. It's not right. rocket science. Yeah. Yeah, and I love it. And I think I was I was looking at, you know, Instagram and I think you had put something like that a couple of weeks ago where you were saying, you know, um, before the new Jordans come out, if you know this is going to be a hot release, right, make sure instead you buy some of that stock first. So then you're investing into it and you're building your own money up. So I love that concept, you know, make sure that you know something about it. And like you said, Facebook will help you to learn a little bit more about Snapchat. And once you learn about four or five of them companies, then you start to understand the industry as a whole. Exactly. And then like somebody said on my post, it was like, um, you know, stocks aren't really affordable for the common person. And I'm like, that's interesting that you say that because Nike stock is $85 a share right now. 
and that's cheaper than Air Max, Jordans, or LeBrons. So you can actually buy a piece of ownership in the company for cheaper than apparel. But we just, a lot of times it's just a mental thing where right. we already lose because we psych ourselves out of it automatically. So we already say, okay, this is for rich people. This is out of my league, but it's not, right? And that's right. a perfect example. Right. Something right there, it's like, okay, you can literally buy a piece of ownership in the company for cheaper than Jordans. But how many people buy Jordans? Right, right. I mean, you see, you see it all day long. People, you know, they'll go rich for their appearance, but they won't go broke for their kids and for the generational wealth. Right. Which is so powerful because you, you see it all the time and people don't understand. OK, how about we buy an asset to allow that asset to pay for any materialistic thing that we want to buy? Because everybody got vices. Right? right. But people just like you said, it's a mindset. It's reframing the mindset to understand. I, I, I love that, man. Dropping jewels this is exactly what I needed you on the show. So. I want to transition now to what you're doing because a lot of people, the podcast world is absolutely blowing up, right? And so the fact that you guys started just 15 weeks ago, right, that you started the the Earn Your Leisure, so a little over, what's that, uh, four months ago? Almost four months ago, you guys started it. And you've super blown this thing up. Well, a lot of people nowadays, and even myself included, was like, ah, should I start a podcast? Because, you know, it feels like it's so saturated. It's already so many people in in the market. Can I develop? Can I really have a voice talk to me about what your mindset was in the beginning that made you start this podcast and then like how you've went about like building this thing up yeah i mean the good thing about us is that the good thing about us is that neither one of us really ever listened to podcasts in the past we didn't have any knowledge of the podcast industry how it works or any blueprint to follow so that kind of helped us because when we we didn't really even start the podcast with expectation of anything. Literally the only reason why I started the podcast is because I was getting such good engagement on my Instagram and I'm like, you know what? This is something to do. But I didn't really go into it thinking like, we're going to get this many listeners or this is going to open doors. I didn't, I honestly didn't think about that. I'm like, let's just do it. You know what I'm saying? Let's just serve. Let's just serve. I think that's that's always the best, yeah, that's always the best route because you don't, A, you don't, you can't be disappointed if you don't have any expectations. And B, you you don't put pressure on yourself when you don't you're not trying to reach anything like we're not we, we didn't do it for that reason so there was never any pressure so we're like when we when we started to really like pick up momentum it was just like oh that's dope we didn't really expect it though like you know what I mean like right, right, not right. to say that we thought it was gonna flop but we didn't have any any expectations at all and um, I think that like even starting in social media one of the mentors my mentors in social media game when I first started one thing that she always told me is that look at what everybody else in your industry or your field is doing on social media and do the complete opposite of that. And that's really what we, what we're doing. And is is really helped us because we are in our own lane as far as like the way we deliver the content is, is really different. It's different. And right. we're not, we're not trying to be anybody else. We're not following anybody's blueprint. We just kind of made up our own thing and it's worked for us. So I encourage originality. I encourage originality and um, not to worry about, anything saturation because it, it is saturated but cream is always gonna rise to the top and people mm. always respect the good product and that's my thing i mean I, i'm real like i pay attention to detail a lot and i think a lot of times especially in social media people pay attention to the look more than the content so like you'll see like these videos on instagram and the camera work is crazy and they do all these special effects and they got music in the background but they're not talking about nothing it's just like a, a an intro, like a 30 second thing. You don't get any content from it. Right. Whereas 
like we film our, our videos on iPhones. It's not the best picture quality. It's not, it, and hopefully we'll get better with it, but we're not, the content is more important. So our videos get a lot of traction because we have actually real good content. Like, you know what I mean? So it's right, like, I'm right. a big Absolutely. That content is more, is more important than the packaging. The packaging is important, but the content is more important. And I think a lot of times with social media, like I said, going back to, you know, we, we care about how we look more than what we, you know, are actually delivering. And people get wrapped up in the content and how your page looks and your algorithm. Then you got to have like, you know, white thing. And then it's like, it's like a whole, like a jigsaw puzzle. It's like, right, right, I right. I don't look at that. I just put it out there and just, you know, the people, I let the people decide whatever they, however they decide. And I, that, that's really worked for us that we don't, we don't really care. Like we just do it. <laughs> I love it. Now, one thing that I noticed is that, you know, one thing I, I heard in the beginning was there's no money in neutrality, right? But I think that you guys are kind of coming at a different route because would you say that you're neutral in your, what you put up there or would you, and so that's how you guys get a lot of engagement because you just put something that could be controversial or do you put out, here's why we like this side and then you let me know if you disagree. Now, I'm glad you said that because, yeah, me personally, my partner too, we both, I, we, I'm just a real balanced person. Like, I, I feel like in social media, in the world that we live in right now, it's either you all the way right or you all the way left. Mm -hmm. There's no middle ground. And I'm a middle ground person. So, A, I never want to um, influence my point of view on somebody else because that's not my job. My job, I look at our platform is just to inform. And then from there, people can create their own, you know, dialogue and make their own decisions, right? And that's kind of like my whole philosophy on life. Like, I think that the middle ground is 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 where I'm comfortable at. So that's really most, like almost 98% of our posts and our content is all middle ground as far as we don't take sides. We don't, we like Switzerland. We don't take sides at all. We just provide information. Right. It's actually helped us because that's created a lot of dialogue. So like I'll put a post up without any comment. I'll just ask for comments. So then you got people that fill away, people that don't fill away, and then they'll, they'll like going back and forth with each other. But for me, I don't, I never wanted, cause when I feel like when you take a side, you start to alienate people, right? right? So it's like, all right, now I, I've taken this, this is my position, but half of the world might feel completely opposite of how I feel. So now I just alienated half of the world. Like, you know what I mean? We want everybody to, to engage in, and, and to come together. So, hmm. yeah, I'm, I, I, and I, I noticed that that's not, there's not a lot of pages on Instagram like that, where it's right. even if they seem neutral, they still kind of have some kind of hidden agenda where they're like putting their messages in. And I think that there's enough of that going on, and not to knock anybody, there's enough of that going on, but that's not something that I want to do or my partner wants to do. We just want to provide you the information and just have like an open dialogue and, and, and really just, you know, let you determine your own way. So like I put a post about Michael Jordan um, with the Jumpman logo. So mm -hmm. the guy that created the, he, the guy that took the original photo of the Jumpman logo sued Nike because they said that Nike um, took the logo. So I put it out there and it was like a 50, 50 split where some people said that the guy was in the right and Nike stole it. And other people say that the photos were different and Nike did the right thing. So that's like a perfect example. Like you don't want to say like, you know, take a side on that because who knows? Like, you know what I mean? It's all, it's up right? to debate. Information, information is always up for debate. I think for the most part, some things are just cut and dry, but for the most part, a lot of things are up for debate. So 
I love I, it. I, I lo who am I to tell you like this is how it should be, you know? Got so when people let me ask you though, when when other people come in as like guests on your show, re, re, aside from your Instagram, they're coming in with that all the way left, all the way right. Do you then take the I guess the the challenge or the responsibility to tell them why maybe they should be a little bit more neutral, where then you kind of are taking a side, or you just listen to their point and you're like, ah, okay. Nah, we don't. We don't nah, we haven't really had any guests because our, our so how our platform is broken down is that it's more of an educational thing. So. They're really not even providing too much of their opinion per se, but more so information. So like right. when we had Matt on the real estate um, mortgage uh, broker and he was just telling us, you know, different things about like multifamily. So that's kind of his opinion that you should buy a multifamily first. And so that is kind of his opinion, but that's still not really like um, swaying somebody in it. You know, it's still providing information. That's really the So our platform is we try to make it like a college course every week. So every week is a different topic and we want to educate somebody every week. So more so, and we, the guest, the, the line of questioning is more so information. Not more so of their like personal take on things. It's more so like providing information. And they, of course they do have their personal take, but it's still more the, the overall um, framework is information. And that's even like a lot. We do case studies a lot. Like I'll break down like, you know, how Airbnb got started and stuff like that. I like doing that. And that's case study. So that's not an opinion at all. That's just stating facts and it's just giving you information. So yeah, that, that, that's, that's something that I just feel more comfortable with. I don't want to, I got it. Yeah. I love it. I love it. No, that's super dope. So, so talk to me about what's the end goal with the, like, are you all looking to create a huge show? Like right now, obviously you're, you're, you're getting a lot of traction, but what's your end goal with this, uh, with the podcast? Like where, where do you take it over the next one to two years, even short time? Yeah, and, that, and that's kind of the ironic thing. Cause in business, you should always have a plan. You should always have a roadmap of where you want to go. Right. But then in life, it's like the best things just kind of happen without a plan. Yeah. So honestly, we still putting together. We don't have a plan yet, really, because it's, it's everything is just happening so quick. I don't know. It's like you know what I mean. I don't really know where where it's gonna go. I can't. I, I can't even lie and tell you like this is where we want it to go. Of course, like a TV show would be dope or something along those lines. But I don't know. I I, I honestly feel like as long as we just keep doing what we're doing, educating, good things to happen. Like you know, that might yeah. not be the, the the most efficient thing to say business wise. But sometimes you just have a feeling. I just have a right. feeling that, you know, good things that just happen because it's you just happening first. organically. So right. you know, I don't want to mess with the magic. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I love it. So we, I know we, we're coming to the end. We're going to wrap it up here in a minute. So as, I want to ask you one thing out of all the tips, the tricks, everything that you've learned, that you've seen from entrepreneurs, from thought leaders, from CEOs, what's been your number one takeaway from the keys to their success? Um, just work ethic, you know, that, that's something that, you know, um, even social media, I feel like the, the reason why most people aren't successful on social media is that they're not consistent. And um, the successful people are always consistent and they have tremendous work ethic. So that's something that I've always tried to carry as far as from sports to business and any successful person that I've, I've always been around or I've always witnessed. They're very detailed and they're very diligent in what they do. And they have a tremendous work ethic. So I feel like, you know, anybody can really be successful in anything if you work hard enough and you understand the principles of what you're doing. But that's something that's easier said than done. And um, I mean, I see it all the time. Most people 
are not disciplined and most people are not, they're not going to sacrifice. Like I said before, when the guy said people want to get rich with contingencies, people want everything with contingencies. Like the, the plat, the podcast is taking off the way it has taken off because I actually put two years of work in first before we mm. did a podcast. So my, I built my page, my own personal page for two years and then we built a podcast. So I already had a follow, but I always tell people it took two years to get to that point. Two years of a lot of work. Like I was there. I still do like to like three o'clock in the morning sometimes doing stuff just for social media. Cause I got to do stuff for my regular day to day during the daytime. So it's like, I asked somebody like, would you be comfortable working a part-time slash full-time job for two years without getting paid? Most people are not comfortable with that, mm. but that's really, that's really what I did. I worked a job for two years without getting right. paid. So now we're starting to see the benefits of that now, but that took two years to build. So like I said, people, they'll do that for a month or two weeks. They don't really see traction. It's like, I'm, I'm quit. I'm <laughs> quit. Let me ask, do y'all got a team? I mean, it's you two. Do you got a team of people? Yeah, people yeah, that yeah we do have a team. Shout out, shout, out, shout out to the team. No no good things are ever done by yourself. And that's another good thing, too, that um, we were able to build with our friends. So we have me and Troy, who's the host. Yeah, man, Sid, shout out to Sid. He's the, um, he does our audio. He's like the producer of our podcast. Then we have Larry. He's an intern of ours, young, young cat. Who always got great ideas. We have another one of our friends. Who, um, Mike, he lives in Atlanta. He does the video editing and he does our merch shop and all that. And we're going to get another one of our friends, Jamal. He's going to get involved as far as our marketing. So one of the things I, I, I encourage people to do as well is to look laterally, to network. A lot of times we look up, like, we'll look and try to network with somebody that's not interested in us or it's like all the way at the moon. Look mm-hmm. across because your, every, your friends might have talents. Now, as a leader, it's up to you to get the most out of those talents, right? Because it's like they might have talents, but they all work separately of each other. So now as a leader, it's to say, okay, look, you take good photos. So you're going to be my in-house photographer or you do this. So you're going to now and then you give them incentives. So now it's like it's not just you, it's there. People always work better when they feel like they have ownership or they're a part of it, right? Even if you don't pay them. So now what we, what we created with Earning Legion is really like a family thing where we all know each other. We all grew up with each other for the most part. And each person has separate talents that they bring. So now we're able to, to merge that together. And, um, it and makes each it a lot person easier. feels like it's their baby, right? Exactly. It's a piece of their baby, right? I got to make sure the audio is on point because this is, this is a part of my earn your leisure. Absolutely. When something blows up, just like you said, no, nothing happens alone. We can go further and even faster together than we could apart, right? And when you got five people or six people, that's why when you look at Luda or anybody else, Nipsey, right? Shout out to Nip. Um, but when you look at it, they all had these, these, and we saw it back, I think where it first for me, where it first got publicized is when music back in the mid nineties, right. When everybody was trying to get on, but they had these, these promo teams that was all selling, you know, the CDs and everything outside of the, uh, the malls or the record stores or whatever, but it was five to six people. So if each one of those people got 50 CDs that they got to get rid of, you know, by the end of the day, it's a lot faster to get rid of those. And then you got different perspectives on people with different energies. Nah, for sure, man. That team is important. And like I said, in order to be 
if you're the leader of the team or the head of the team, you have to know how to deal with people too because it's, it, it all comes down to psychology. You know, you have to encourage. I'm a big proponent of encouragement. Encouragement goes a lot longer, a lot further than discipline. And you have to know what each person's strong point is. So, like, if somebody – everybody has strengths and weaknesses. You try to get somebody to do social media, but they, they don't know what they're doing with social media. It's not going to work. Right. You got to get them to do what they want to do. But, yeah, I'm a big proponent of that, man. Look at look at your friends. Look at your coworkers. Look at the people that you already have as opposed to – it's nothing wrong with hiring outside people. But a lot of times, like, we'll have talented people in our immediate circle, but we'll just look past them and try to, like, you know, get with somebody else and chase after somebody else, but they're not even interested in working with you. Right, right. Build with people who are already cheerleaders and supporters because then they're going to hop on board and then you don't got to worry about talking about the compensation. It's more about the vision and what right. we can build and own together. And then when people see the vision and they already got love for you, there's no side eyes with it. And that means that everybody's winning on the team for when you first had a dream. Right. So I, I love that, man. Uh, this has been so, so powerful. And I love the fact that, uh, you know, I was persistent in making sure that I got you on the show. I'm sure there's some lives that are out there being changed by this conversation. And I love it. The one thing I want to ask you, though, for anyone that's out there that's listening, that they are inspired, that they first want to be educated before they start, whether it's investing in stocks or even, you know, starting their own podcast up, but they still are in their head. They got that little thought that's saying that, you know, maybe they're not smart enough. They don't have a team. They're not strong enough to do it. What's that one piece of advice you would give them to be able to take action today? Yeah, you just got to do it. I remember a friend of mine told me one time, he was like, um, you know, I'm only getting one shot at this thing. It's about life. So he's like, it, it doesn't really matter. Once you really stop caring about, because we, we're self-conscious by nature. But once you stop really caring about what people think, your life will, will transform, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like a lot of times people are scared to, to, to take action because they're scared of failure. But it doesn't really matter because if you really think about it, you're going to die. So like, you know what I'm saying? When you think about it from that standpoint, when you die, nobody cares about you did, you, know, you did this and you failed. It doesn't matter. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like nobody, right. nobody's going to remember your like, oh, you started this, but it didn't work out. It doesn't right. matter. Like, you know what I'm saying? In the grand scheme of things, it really doesn't matter. So you have to think about it like, while I'm here, because I'm only here for a short period of time on earth in the grand scheme of things. Right. Why not just do everything? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like- I 100% agree. Yeah. It's like, it's really, it's, it's, it's cliche, but it's really nothing to lose. You, you really have nothing to lose. Right. That's how I look I, at it. Something that was said to me, which was so powerful, you know, when I first heard it and they said, you know, um, failure weighs ounces, regret weighs tons. Right. So the last thing is when you get to that, that deathbed at the end, you know, you're laying down there, all you're going to have is the memories. Right. And you got to make sure that you got as many experiences because you can't take the money with you while you can pass down real estate. And in some cases, you can pass down books of business and things like that. At the end, none of that really matters. It really matters the memories and the value and the feelings that you created in other people. You know, since we talked, we started the conversation talking about Warren and, and where we are now, there was a, um, uh, a story that I heard on Warren Buffett and a lot of people know Warren Buffett doesn't talk about like religion or anything like that. But somebody had asked him when he was on a panel, they said, you know, Warren, how do you know when you've truly been successful in life? And he said, 
You never know when you've truly been successful until you die and you see how many people come to your funeral. But more importantly than that, you'll never know how truly successful you've been until you die. You see how many people cry at your funeral because those are the people who you truly impacted their lives. And then I was like, man, when I first heard that, that was like my second or third week in the real estate. I was like, that's everything right there, right? Like the cars that you have, the money, all of those things, while it's good here, but what's the purpose that you're using all those things for? Most people, they say I'm a driver for money, but it's never about the money because if you get to the top and you lonely, it didn't matter anyway. Right. But if you get to the top and just like you said, we all went off of this podcast, we all are breaking bread. That's what Jay's done the best. You know, some people have stayed with the, you know, the plan. Some people haven't. But the people, no matter what the experiences that were created, I guarantee they all look back on it and was like, man, boy, that was some wild days. Yeah. Right? And the people like, you know, that like big. And and and, and not to cut you off, but that's. Yeah, yeah, yeah you good. For, for me. For me, that's that's really the like the, the, the thrill of it. I read Steve Jobs' book and he's like, you gotta love the journey. Like mm-hmm. it's not really even about the 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 end goal, it's the journey. And it's like you gotta be passionate about that. Like, so for me, like I just I really I love just the journey of it, like figuring it out as we go. And like we went to LA, we did a networking event in LA and figuring it out. And like it to me, that's that's the exciting. It's not even about like money and of course everybody, you know, you need money and that and that's dope, but the thrill of just, you know, f- making something y- yourself from the, right. from, from the ground and building it. Right. Is, is, is that's a thrill. Like, you know what I mean? And that's something that people got to really cherish the good and the bad parts. Cause that's all part of the journey. It's never going to be all good, but to just build something brick by brick, especially if you can do it with people that you know, you're familiar with, that's just like, you know, that's, that's priceless really. And I break that down to to one sentence, and it's essentially it's achieving the the seemingly impossible, right? Because when we first start these things, like you you always like, yo, it'd be dope to build a podcast and have it be one of the best business pod. And I truly believe, you know, give it you know three to six months, and that podcast, if it's not already, will be top ten business podcast, you know, top five, and it'll be right up there. I love it. I continue to support it. But when you first you, when you first start to do that, you're like, man, it would be dope to do that. Like, how dope would that be? But then all of a sudden, when you see the, the interaction, you see the traction, you're like, yo, we doing it. You know, it's kind of like a kid riding a bike for the first time. Like, sure, I'm moving. Right? So that's so dope, man. And it's, it's the journey. Well, I want to be the first one to kick off this thank you train, man. It, it, this has been such a pleasure, and I'm glad that you came on. I'm glad that uh, you gave us the opportunity to be able to hear your story and at the same time support you and everything that you're doing. Um, for anybody who wants to connect with you a little bit more that would love to follow your journey, where can they find you at? Yeah, um, so social media on Instagram. Um, my personal page is Rashad, at Rashad Bilal, R-A-S-H-A-D-B-I-L-A-L, my name, at Rashad Bilal. And then the podcast page is at Earn Your Leisure, Earn Your Leisure. And then you can also check us, our website out is um, earnyourleisure.com. Uh, our YouTube channel is Earn Your Leisure. And we're on um, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. We're on all the, the major outlets, Google. Um, so, yeah, you know, you can check out the podcast. You can check out my page. And, um, yeah, that's 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 where you can find me. As far as my business, my, my website for my business is BalalGroupLLC.com. That's for my financial services um, business. And, um, yeah, that's, that's all the info right there. 
Well, there you have it, people. You got so much knowledge. You got so much information today. The one thing that we just asked is take action, right? It doesn't matter where you were. It doesn't even matter where you are. It matters where you're going to go, and it requires action. So thanks, man. We appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to having you on the show again. Nah, thank you for having me, bro. Appreciate you. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish that savory tartar sauce that melty cheese that pillowy bun yeah you get it Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.